All right, good to have you today. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. And uh, the topic is the bones of Elisha. The bones of Elisha. Verse 20, the Bible says, And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that, behold, they spied a band of men. And they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha, and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. First of all, as we read the story or the narration here, it is a sad day in the history of Israel that Elisha has died. He had been the torchbearer for the truth. He had been the salt that had preserved that country. He had been a restraining force to the tides of evil overcoming uh, the people of Israel. He had been the mediator between this nation and the Lord. And now he's gone. And it is a sad day. And yet, God uses his life even after he dies. And that's what's significant. There's a couple things I want to point out as we consider this story. I find it a fascinating one. Uh, It does mark the uh, 20th miracle, and he did, through this, double the miracles that Elijah had performed. And so he received a, literally, a double portion. But the first thing I want to point out is, you know, he was mortal. And what made Elisha, Elisha was his God. His God is what made him what he was. Now, he was a man who depended upon the Lord. And, you know, you and I have as much access to God as Elisha does. There's as much power for you and I as there was Elisha. Now, God chose to use Elisha in this particular way. We need to be satisfied with how God uses us as we keep ourselves plugged in. But I want us to consider his mortality as well. You see, even good men are are still men, and they're mortal. And though Elisha would pass on, God would not. Yet there's still something left here for us to consider. He's buried, and the Bible says it came to pass as... Some Moabites were invading the land, and they had a man that they needed to bury who had died, and they were in a hurry, and they found Elisha's tomb, and they threw this body of this Moabite in the tomb of Elisha. I can visualize this as they threw him down there, and they looked back up, concerned for other invaders The next thing they know, the man that they threw down in this grave is standing up on his feet. I don't know what he would have said. I don't know the exact reactions. But what a miracle. A resurrection. It happened the moment he touched Elisha's bones. Now, if there was ever a spiritual man, Elisha was a spiritual man. And the first great truth here that I see, and I see it throughout Scripture, is that spiritual men 
or men and women who live a spiritual life and die faithfully serving the Lord have a testimony that continues to touch lives even after they are dead. We've got men in our church that way. My wife and I were talking about Steve Wilhoyt today. There are different people in our church who have passed on, but though they are gone, their lives still touch people. Elisha's life touched his bones, touched a man, and this man is revived. Now, this message here is suggestive. There's a spiritual message. A dead Moabite comes alive. How often have unsaved people been brought to life by the writings of a spiritual person? Pilgrim's Progress. When it was written, sacred, the sacred and the secular of people read that book. It was so fascinating. And God used that to point many people to Christ. But the reality is this. Contact with the godly dead is more beneficial than contact with the ungodly living. Let me say that again. Contact with the godly dead is more beneficial than contact with the ungodly living. I'm not talking about some seance or anything like that. No, I'm talking about getting in touch with these people through their writings, through their messages. In some cases, you could still hear their sermons on cassette tape or even CD. But in many cases, you can read about them. You can learn about them. In my own life, I can testify that my heart has been absolutely moved. I've been moved to tears. I've, I've uh, bowed the knee after reading books by David Brainerd and his prayer life, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, George Whitfield, Praying Hyde. Those men stirred me to pray. I've been moved in my heart to a greater devotion to the Lord and a desire to preach by reading Charles Finney, Charles Spurgeon, DeWitt Talmadge. These men have stirred my heart and opened my eyes to Scripture truth that I'd not seen before. I've been moved to be a better soul winner by reading books by D.L. Moody or The Life of D.L. Moody, John R. Rice, and Billy Sunday. These men have stirred my soul to be a better witness. I've been moved to trust God with a greater faith by reading books like George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, C.T. Studd, Adoniram Judson, William Carey, William Christie. What great men these were that God allowed us to have their biographies I am thankful somebody took time to put their story together, their life story. God has used their lives to help me and help so many others. One of my favorite writers, F.W. Borum, God has used him to open my eyes to passages of Scripture, to look at them from a different perspective, a different paradigm, so to speak, that I'd not looked at before. Even in my everyday situations, he's used him to challenge me to write to think outside of the box. You know, it's significant. In the book of Judges, in chapter 13, verse 24 through 25, the Bible tells us about Samson that uh, the Lord began to, he was, began to be moved by the Spirit of God in between the place of, uh, oh, Zipporah. I'm going to turn there. 
you'll give me just a moment. It's a fascinating, fascinating truth. In Judges chapter 13, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. Well, in chapter 16, the Bible tells us this in verse 31. It says, Then his brethren came, and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel in the burying place of Manoah, his father. Now, this is interesting. Apparently, this location of Zorah and Eshtel, where Samson had been moved by the Spirit, it was a burying place, a burial ground. Isn't that significant? Could it be that as he walked by those marked graves, he began to ponder the past and think about the men and women of faith that died before him? And that through the memory of those lives, he was stirred in his heart? Let alone when we think about Abel, he being dead, yet speaketh. The bones of Elisha, God still had a plan for him. Finish strong, finish faithful, and God will use your testimony even after you're in heaven. God bless you and have a fantastic day.